Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Housekeeping alerts. Hello, uh, this is Seb Patrick from Off of Cinematic Universe, that is the podcast that you're about to hear. Uh, the podcast that you're about to hear, just in case you don't read the blurb or, or anything else that goes with it, um, is being released somewhat later than we recorded it. Uh, it was recorded a couple of weeks ago from the time of release. Um, it's been delayed by various reasons, not least the fact that we had the Stan Lee special uh, come in between before we'd had a chance to, to actually release this one that we'd recorded. And even when we recorded this episode, we were catching up belatedly on news, so um, I think at this point we're in late November um, doing a minisode about news that is probably mostly from late October. Uh, so apologies for that, um, but just in the interest of completeness, because we did spend a good hour or so recording it, um, and there are prob- various bits of news in there, I can't even remember what they are, that you may still want to hear our takes on. So uh, with that in mind, please listen to and enjoy this minisode, and apologies for the delay. I'm recording this literally just before we go to record our Rocketeer episode, which I'm sure will come out a lot quicker, uh, hopefully before before the end of the month so uh, you've got that to look forward to but in the meantime here is a very belated catch-up minisode Hello and welcome to a Cinematic Universe minisode. I'm your host Joe Cunningham and joining me to bridge the gap between our Winter Soldier and Rocketeer episodes are Sir Patrick and James Hunt Guys, it's been a while since we were all together to uh, to chat through the news, um, and there's kind of a lot a lot of stuff to catch up on from the last few weeks. Um, should we just jump into it? Please. A lot of lot lot of lot of MCU stuff, you guys. Um, <laughs> Before it changes again. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, let's start off with with all of the MCU bits and pieces um, because I think that as as usual, whenever we get talking about the MCU, because we care about the direction that the MCU is going, we can have fun speculating. So um, I think this is the biggest piece of news around the MCU, uh, in, in spite of what is going to come later. Catherine Langford has been cast in an unnamed role in Avengers Four. Um. I don't know if you, either of you guys are familiar with Catherine Langford. She was um, one of the stars of the Netflix series 13 Reasons Why, and she was in Love, Simon earlier this year, um, which is uh, a good movie that's very nice. Um, and she's kind of a, a young, attractive actress, like in her early 20s, um, who they've bothered to announce the casting of. So it feels like... 
it feels like, and I don't know whether you guys would agree, that maybe she has a young Avenger role in her future. I mean, are I've you seen... are you talking about somebody whose name might rhyme with Bait Kishop? I mean, <laughs> no one else springs to mind, right? <laughs> Um, you, I mean, you're assuming she's she's a named character. The, yes, like, I am. The yeah. the point I want to make about this casting is this is some this is a role that has essentially been created in the reshoots at the end of the film. Hmm. So yeah, we assume yeah, we're talking given... very minor. Uh yes, but um, I I think she's a notable enough actress who's kind of. Yeah, a, 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 a nice point in her career right now that I'd be surprised if it wasn't something significant. And actually, a character in a lineup of a Young Avengers team would make a whole lot of sense, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's. I mean, we've been convinced for a while that we are going to see a jump to a scene in the future and there is... A, either a young Avengers team or a future Avengers team with young people in it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that that's where we're expecting to see Cassie Lang, isn't it? So Yeah, so I, and uh, that's where the rumour comes from, really, isn't it? It's that we were expecting to see an older Cassie Lang, and we've been expecting that since some casting news broke, like, a, mm. a, a year or so it ago. It was a while ago, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, this, and, is, this is what sort of makes me sceptical, though. Because they knew a year ago that ah, Cassie Lang yeah, but, in this movie, and then they've suddenly gone, oh, let's let's put a whole team around her. So the way I see it, James, is almost like, you know, the photographs of um, Janet Van Dyne in the first Ant-Man movie. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like, so the MCU knows that that character is coming up. Maybe you'll see her with her head, or with her back to the camera. Or, <laughs> or a giant hat over her yeah. face. Or they go... Oh, no, actually, we've got our casting sorted. It is Catherine Langford. And now, please turn around, Kate Bishop, and look at the camera. I mean, yeah, I mean, this is destined to be now. She'll be like, I don't know, she's been recast as the waitress in the first Avengers movie or something. Um, Shall I tell you my alternate theory? Ooh, I like alternate theories, yes. (laughs) I mean, I think she's probably too big an actress for for my alternate theory, but my, my alternate theory is that now that Guardians 3 has, like, gone on the shit heap, um, and Dave Bautista has publicly said he he's out Ooh. if James Gunn's out, I think Drax is going to die, and I think he's going to, as he dies, he's going to meet his family, and she's going to be his daughter. And his daughter is, <laughs> what's what's the character? Moondragon, is that right? Or is it someone else? Uh, I mean... Moondragon is Drax's daughter, but I, I think it won't be... I, I don't think it's going to be Moondragon. It's just going to be, a, a you know, his his wife and children will be yeah. there. Um, I think another reason why... Uh, I mean, maybe we can find 13 reasons why. Uh, we think <laughs> Catherine Langford could potentially be Kate Bishop is that there have been rumours online this week about one of the Disney streaming platform TV shows being in development being one where Clint Barton trains a young archer to the point that it could literally be a direct adaptation of the uh, fraction. Can I just say how how much I like the idea of, all right, Jeremy, we know we haven't given you much to do and we keep not having you in the films. Can you just come back and train your replacement for a few scenes? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, um, 
it, yeah, but we we have seen the rehabilitation of Hawkeye, and do uh, you know what? If he doesn't if he doesn't turn up for like longer than about five or ten minutes in Avengers <laughs> Four, that guy has just been put through an emotional ringer with his MCU involvement for a decade. <laughs> if you th- if you think right, how many of the current major MCU characters did Hawkeye appear earlier than? If you consider, bear in mind his little appearance in Thor. Yeah, he's like, there before Captain America. Yeah. He's there before an awful lot of characters <laughs> <laughs> for so little screen time afterwards. Well, it's all going to be worth it. It is all going to be worth it. And I could, at the time, I couldn't, but I, I kind of feel like I could now see him playing that version of Clint from the comics. Um. I mean, there's actors I'd rather see doing it, but I can I can see him doing it. Yeah, I think the version of Clint from the comics though is is sort of rooted in not having a wife and family. Yeah, like he can't be that much of a you know. He can't be that thoughtless. Up. Yeah. Yeah. What if they were in the snap? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that would cause him to become the personality that he is in the fraction and higher comics. <laughs> Just a feckless shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, let's keep talking about the Marvel uh, streaming TV shows, though, um, because a show that has been confirmed as in development is a Falcon and Winter Soldier TV. <laughs> Sorry, uh, a Falcon and Winter Soldier TV show. Oh, you! Like, look, like as soon as Lamar is not on the podcast anymore, you're you're right back to it. Uh, I just. <sighs> So look, they're, look they're we all liked that scene in the car. Scene. Yes, everyone liked it. So I, didn't, spinning it I, into didn't, a series. I didn't like the scene in the car, and I'll well, tell you why you're... I didn't like it, because what they were watching happening, and I honestly... Yes, but they they won't be watching that happening for the duration of this TV show. What you're going to get that scene in the car, show? but what without... the entire show? They've adapted that scene into a 13-hour into a <laughs> so series. So it's an series. entire TV show of Bucky It'll and Falcon like, watching Netflix the... Would yeah, do that. Netflix Marvel would definitely do that. It'll be like that clerk short where he's like, what would you do for a flying car? (laughs) Come on, that's one of the best things Kevin Smith's ever written. I know. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I mean, those two characters had a a couple of scenes together in Civil War. They've got airport stuff as well, don't they, I guess? Um, And, yeah, so... Look, we, we, we specifically talked on our Winter Soldier podcast about how... Falcon hasn't been given enough of an opportunity to so, actually yeah. develop in his own right and and get his character to come out a little bit more. And then they're giving you this, and you're turning your nose up at yeah, it. Yeah, but why am I giving turning my nose up at it? Because, because it's don't because like it's Bucky. Falcon and, and and well, and also is what is it going to be? Falcon and White Wolf is that his name now? No, that's just an Easter. Like he's not going to be called White Wolf. All right. Joe, but that whole persona. Joe, what's, Joe, I've got what's a premise Bucky's, for you. Okay, what is Bucky's right. shtick now? Like, what is his thing right. now that his memory is back? He's right. atoning for the crimes he committed as the Winter Soldier. So Bucky dies in Avengers Forever, okay. and the TV show is Falcon and Bucky brackets deceased, and he's a ghost. <laughs> How about that? It would ex- <laughs> it would explain the expression. Um, <laughs> so I mean, yeah, that, these are these are all the kinds of characters though that I expected after that initial announcement of Loki and Scarlet Witch TV series to be to be coming to TV. So that if if Hawkeye is another character, Falcon and Winter Soldier together, 
it is basically who is a big deal in the MCU but will never get their own movie. Yeah, it's the, the characters we'd like to see more of but who won't carry their own film. Scarlet Witch. I think stealthily the big news out of this is anyone thinking, oh, I wonder whether anyone else will pick up Captain America's shield after Chris Evans departs. It <laughs> kind of scuppers that, doesn't it? Because you're not going, yeah, um, Sebastian, uh, Anthony, you go off and make that TV show and we'll totally make you the lead in a, in a movie two years from now where you are Captain America. It's they, not happening. They've missed the window with both those characters to develop them to a point where they could be the guy who pick, either of them could be the guy who picks up the shield Bucky is just not that character and Sam hasn't been around enough to, I think Sam could have been if they'd given him more the yeah. direction they went in with Bucky um, like you know even in just Winter Soldier alone that Bucky is different enough from comics Bucky slash Winter Soldier like comics Bucky slash Winter Soldier had a realistic enough arc towards becoming Captain America and I don't think they ever pitched Bucky right and also I like him but Sebastian Stan is not right to to take up that role <laughs> at all no absolutely not um who is the character that you would very much like to get a Marvel TV series <laughs> well James has said it <laughs> I was gonna his. say Darcy <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I um, think that her time in the MCU is maybe done. I think you know I, do, I think she's but... too heavily tied to to Natalie Portman, unfortunately. I'd kind of like to see an MCU space show, you know, like a, like a, an MCU space show in the Farscape mold. Like I, I don't know, just like spin off one random Guardian, or not even mm. like one of the main members of the team. Kraglin. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's have the adventures of Kraglin. Um. I'd quite like to see um, the the Feige verse uh, do a, a version of Daredevil and, and do Daredevil properly. You take that back. <laughs> I will cut you. I'm really just saying that to wind up, James. Um, Daredevil, like seriously, I'm not I'm not <laughs> dragging us too far off topic, but of all the characters that Marvel have done on TV, Daredevil was the only one that I would want to put in the movies, and I include Agent Coulson in that. So James, you've actually. I, all I, the... I know what MCU character I want to see given a TV show, and it's Agent Carter season three. Oh okay. well, yeah, and I think we can all agree on that. Um, James, you've watched all of Daredevil season three. Yes, um, I'm six episodes in. We think that we'll probably be bringing back the bonus episodes to talk about that in some way or another. Uh, but you are you are all on board. Best Marvel TV show yet, right? Yep, I I enjoyed it a lot. It was like Daredevil season one, only better. Was it better <laughs> than Agent Carter season two? I, I, I mean, mean, they're such different beasts, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, <laughs> I, th I think. But I love I just, Daredevil, so I, I it's just definitely the, up there. The elements at the centre of Daredevil, and I am six episodes in and can't speak fully to it. Um, I think the Netflix shows will always have pacing issues, but when the central elements are... Charlie Cox as Daredevil, um, Vincent D'Onofrio as Kingpin, um, and I even like what they've done. I won't do any spoilers, but I also like what they've done with the introduction of a major character in this series. Um, and, and you know, you add the fourth element to that of Charlie Cox taking his shirt off every episode. <laughs> it, it, it is an entertaining watch. <laughs> um Let's stay on the topic of, of Marvel Netflix because things are changing. A lot of things are changing 
at Netflix, and it feels like it's connected to all of this. Um, this Disney they are changing stuff. from happening to not happening. Yeah. So, I mean, we've known for a while that Def- a Defender season two was unlikely. Iron Fist got officially cancelled, and then after a couple of statements from people involved in Netflix saying, "Yeah, no, we we're, we're we're a fan of what the Marvel TV shows are doing. Don't panic." Luke Cage got cancelled a couple of days later. Um, there is no news on whether Daredevil is playing a season four or Jessica Jones a season three. Um, I think we're expecting Punisher season two, but who knows beyond that? Um, and Netflix are cancelling more and more shows. They cancelled American Vandal, which is like an Emmy-nominated, really critically acclaimed, and I think decently well-watched show on Netflix. Um, and the reasoning seems to have been primarily uh, it's made by a production company that aren't Netflix, and they don't own the rights to it. So it makes more sense to focus their money on content that they do own 100%. And also recently, Netflix have started syndicating their shows on US networks, uh, Bojack Horseman has just started a syndication deal on a on an American station. So I wonder whether all of that plays into it. And I also wonder whether, and Seb, I know you were joking, but whether Disney could choose to eventually take this back catalogue or do something with these characters on their own service. It would be weird. Do you mean like to pick up the Netflix characters? Yeah. As in those versions, not to do new versions of characters that have been done by now. No, I I mean either pick up these versions and slap like uh, maybe just put the back catalogue onto their own platform. I don't know how the rights deals work. Or if Netflix say we don't want to make any more, and Disney go, well, actually, pff, uh, Daredevil still kind of works for us. Netflix aren't going to give up the rights to the. Uh... And and once they've been given, correct me if I'm wrong, but when they've been given the rights to make something featuring the characters, uh, Marvel and Disney can't take the rights to distribute them off them, can they? Um, I, I would probably I would be very the, wary the original of... the original contract that they drew up. I was going to say I'd be very wary of speculating about what they can and can't do. <laughs> yeah, no, but it, but it, but because we're not yeah. contract lawyers. But it, it it's unusual. I'm just thinking in, in general television terms that when you've had the right to make and distribute something with a with someone else's IP, I'm not sure you can then lose the right to distribute your version of it. Maybe you can. I don't know. Maybe you can. I mean, the comics is littered with examples of say Dark Horse republishing comics that Marvel made under license. Uh, yes, bo- and I've got on my shelf next to me here Boom's uh, collection of the Marvel Bill and Ted comics. There you go. So, <laughs> yeah. if it can happen in comics, it can happen on TV. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, uh, all, all sorts of stuff could happen there. Um, James, as someone who has broadly kept up with... You, you've watched more of the Marvel Netflix stuff than I have, I think. Um, uh, <laughs> I mean, professionally speaking, I have to. So, <laughs> so have you watched everything? I have watched every damn second of those slow, badly written programs. So how much are you going to miss Iron Fist and Luke Cage, respectively? Um, Because it feels like this kind of puts to an end even. Like, they're not cancelling Iron Fist and Luke Cage and then announcing a Daughters of the Dragon series or something like that. I feel like the only way that these characters will ever show up again is in cameos in, in existing shows. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I think 
I'm sad we're not seeing another uh, another season of Iron Fist because season two was so much better than the the first, and the ending uh, was uh, had a lot of promise. Luke Cage, I'm less um you know I'm less conflicted on because I thought season one was half really good and then half just absolute pits. Hmm. Um, season two was more consistent, but never quite hit the highs of the first one either. You think, I mean, the, the first six episodes of Luke Cage with Mahershala Ali, Ali and Mike Colter, and like, and I think they got the character, I think they got the casting spot on with Mike Colter, and I think he was great in the first season of Jessica Jones as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, but, uh, but I, I didn't watch season two of Luke Cage, so I can't really, I can't really go, I'm super sad that it's gone. Um, but at the same time, you can't forget that it wasn't. It wasn't. You know, it was a big deal that Netflix made a made two seasons of a TV show starring a black superhero, where the fact that he was black was a major oh, yeah, plot, yeah, yeah. plot element. And I think it was it, to a lesser extent, but it was important to black audiences in a way in, in a way similar to what Black Panther was. Um, oh yeah, I mean, like credit credit for for what it did. Um... It's just that if I can sort of understand why once you've done that once, you then have to break out into something with a bit more mass appeal. Yeah. And it sort of failed to do that. I mean, the rumor, the rumor I've heard is that both of these shows, uh, Iron Fist and Luke Cage, had a drop of two thirds viewers in their second seasons. And so I can sort of understand why Netflix would look at that and go, well, there's no point making a third of either of those. Yeah. And well, and like I said, it seems like they're clean, they're cleaning house a little bit and refocusing what they invest their money in. Yeah, and sure. Even, even Marvel IP, if they don't own it fully and, and, you know, like I said, we don't know what's happening down the line. There was, a, there was a rumor that, that like Marvel would take the shows away from Netflix once their streaming service launched. That about a year ago. Um, now again, whether they can do that or not, but you you might you can see if there is any question in Netflix's mind that if it is a fifty fifty decision, don't know which way that they need to tilt those decisions. <laughs> I mean, what I'd sort of like to see is that the the Marvel Netflix shows become a bit more of like a, a Marvel anthology. So, like, you do have those characters popping up more often than they currently do yeah like uh like um the defenders but you don't have to just put them together yeah, and then you don't have to always have happen. them all all four in it and you don't have to spend ages making excuses like you just you do a daredevil story and maybe misty knight's in it yeah for like a two or three episode arc something like that yeah exactly unfortunately that's not the way that these netflix series are set up but no yeah um, okay, uh, we'll flip back to the Marvel, uh, the movie side of things now. And Kevin Feige was doing a Q&A and he said a, a few things which I want to cover in order of least surprising to most surprising. <laughs> uh, number three, least surprising. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is on hold. <laughs> and <laughs> an untitled MCU movie has been rele- has been removed from the release slate for 2020. So I think we can all put together which one that was. Yeah. <laughs> I think actually the the interesting question is what is the other two? 
I think the best bets, given what we've heard is in active development, because obviously Spider-Man Far From Home comes in 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, the best bets are Black Widow and Eternals, right? Oh, please not Eternals. Please. <laughs> Which I... If Guardians is gone... And I think Marvel is probably wise to not try and rush a movie out. We know it's not going to be Black Panther. The only other sequel that I can kind of imagine is Doctor Strange 2 could be ready. Fast track Um, Doctor Strange 2. Don't make Eternals. Or or a Thor sequel. But I kind of wonder whether the reason Guardians is on hold is because they're going, right, we've got Thor, we've got Guardians. Can we merge those franchises somehow? As Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes. I mean, yeah. <clears throat> the, t- the title's ready made for you. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, but at the moment, I think it looks like Black Widow and Eternals. The problem with Eternals, right, is that it's just in humans with the serial numbers file- filed off. I mean, I think your problems with, in- uh, with Eternals, James, <laughs> are well documented. <laughs> in that you have all of the problems. Um, the medium, I would say, surprising news from the three things that Kevin Feige said was that an Avengers trailer will drop before the end of the year and looks at calendar. We're in November. Within the next eight or nine weeks, you guys, we're going to get that trailer and by extension, that title. I almost feel like now I wouldn't be so sure we're getting the title even when we get the trailer. (laughs) Remember, we didn't we didn't know the title of Deadpool too when the first trailer came out. It was what still if, entitled Deadpool sequel at that. What point, if they which put is a up, better title than Deadpool two? What if the title card comes up and it's Avengers four and below it is just dust? <laughs> I would be I wouldn't be unsurprised if they put out a trailer that was just an Avengers trailer and then it just had four at the end. I do you know what I'm fascinated by how Disney are going to have to market their movies in the next in the next few months because I mean, they've always had this to an extent that it's like, Oh, could one movie be a spoiler for the other? But it's, there's not been really many cases where that could happen. Um, when you are actively marketing a Captain Marvel movie, it is difficult to have Captain Marvel then all over the trailer for Avengers four. Captain Marvel's not going to be in the trailer for Avengers four. I, I think you'll, you'll get a hint maybe right at the end. I think not the first trailer, but after yeah. her movie's out, they exactly. will yeah. stick her in there and be like. And the they're end. not going to put her in an Avengers trailer before her movie comes out. No. There's no. not much. There's not much time in between them, though, is there? Two months, is it? I'm just, I'm just booting it up now. It's um, who knows? We'll come back to it. Uh, but then, obviously, they've got to market Spider-Man: Far From Home, which Spider-Man is dust right now so that's equally going to be difficult how do you trail that movie and not ruin anything about avengers and i know that we can all say oh well we all know he's coming back and yeah we do but like is it are we going to watch that trailer and go hmm no iron man Hmm." i think we're going to watch the i think we're going to watch the avengers trailer and be like oh i guess everyone's coming back to life then (laughs) <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't know. I think I think they might hold all They're of They're not going to pretend Spider-Man's not in Avengers 4. No, I think they might hold it back from the first trailer. I think the first trailer might be like the bringing together of the team that's still alive. 
That would be, I was going to say, it's going to be anything in this first trailer. Yeah. <laughs> See, because it's so difficult. It's I mean, so, so difficult. Look, do we even need a trailer? Do we not just need, like, a screen that just has the title of the film and the release date? I like, mean, do unfortunately... Do you literally need anything else? Yes. Yeah. I mean, we don't, Seb, but the, the world does. Um, for, for the same for the same reason that Coca Cola put their logo at the side of football <laughs> pitches everywhere, we all know what Coca Cola is. We'll all probably drink it from time to time, but Coca Cola will yeah, still send Coca-Cola spend billions of dollars put... reminding us that they exist. It, they remind us that they exist, which is what I'm saying that a title card and a release date would do. Coca Cola doesn't put a list of its ingredients and a description of its flavor around football pitches, does it? Because you know what you're going to get. <laughs> like a lot of people went to see Infinity War. Sorry, are we sponsored by Coca Cola now? Because I missed that on the Winter Soldier episode. <laughs> This is funny because I just today published an article that was about 2,000 words long about energy drinks sponsoring Formula One teams. So, <laughs> it's obviously on the brain. Um, yeah, I, I know. I, I know. I know why trailers exist. I know why they'll do a trailer. But equally, given what Infinity War did, I think you can reasonably just say to people, you don't have to show a lot. You, you can just they, say to people, they this could is make- what happens after that film you all saw. Avengers 4 could just be clips from every previous Marvel movie yeah. with a voiceover or something. Like, they wouldn't have to put any footage in the trailer. Yeah. Yeah. They just but put also... the tiniest, tiniest bit at the end of the trailer just so that nerds on the internet don't completely lose their shit at not getting the slightest glimpse. That's going to happen anyway. <laughs> They're also going to be in the slightly unique position of kind of having to spoil the ending of the biggest twist ending of a movie, of like a blockbuster movie of the last few years six months after it came out in cinemas the next the next trailer has to basically go sorry if you didn't see that guys but they're gone but again when your film makes two billion dollars do you really need to worry about people who haven't seen it you know star wars (laughs) yeah what are they leaving on the table there (laughs) (laughs) like they already got all the money yeah um okay should we go to the most surprising thing that kevin feige said yes um he and I, I don't remember him ever giving any kind of clarity on this before. He said it's a talk. He he said it is a case of ifs and maybes about when Namor is introduced to the MCU. And so previously, every time that Kevin Feige has spoken about Namor, he's gone, "Oh, it's complicated contractually. Don't know if we can make it work." And this time, he kind of went. Yeah, we'll, we'll try to see if and when it would when it when it could make sense when we might do it. So maybe that contractual stuff has been worked out, and Namor could be coming to the MCU in Phase Four because I, I genuinely think the MCU needs big headline characters. There, there aren't, to my mind, when you're talking about an Eternals movie being at the top of the slate for Phase Four, there aren't that many like top top tier characters from the comics who you're still waiting on. And Namor's one that's been spoken about for a long time. Especially if DC get Aquaman wrong, then Namor could be the next big addition. I don't wish to, like, extinguish the flames of your enthusiasm here. I'm not sure Namor (laughs) is that as big a character as you're thinking. I wonder if maybe you're just... No, I I don't even mean those, like, someone to star in their own movie i just think it's like it's another area of of the marvel cinematic universe that they could explore and that that is a character who could i don't know 
Re- realistically speaking, you wouldn't want to introduce Namor until you got the Fantastic Four rights because... Well. <laughs> well, yeah. But like his, you know, his uh, his context within certainly modern Marvel comics is as an antagonist of the Fantastic Four. You could you could do Submariner as Aquaman, but I don't know. I don't see. I why see would them. You, why would you want to? Marvel seems to like their characters with an edge, and Namor is a character that, from any time I've read him, seems to come preloaded with an edge. Um, so I can sort. I, in fairness, I can see a take on on Namor that is like the underwater Black Panther. Yeah, or even or even like. Start him off as a villain. Yeah, make him. I a mean, it would certainly it would certainly help to have some good villains, and Namor is the kind of villain you can you can get behind because you know he's he's broadly defending his kingdom from ecological devastation, which is something most of us would be sympathetic to. And it would be nice for that kind of strand in the MCU to not be colonialism anymore so you can get a break, James. <laughs> <laughs> they can talk about the environment instead for a movie. <laughs> um, yeah, so I just thought it was interesting because as long as I've been following the MCU, it feels like Namor has been a topic of conversation online. Like, oh, I wonder when they'll do that. And all the all the contractual stuff around it sounds interesting um, in that like they can't... T- they kind of can't find a way to untangle it. And maybe the answer is that maybe they can't give him his own movie, but maybe they use him like they use Hulk and stick him in all of all of the other people's <laughs> movies instead. <laughs> um, last bit of MCU news, guys. Uh, have you seen Spider-Man's new costume debuted on Jimmy Kimmel Live? Yeah. Uh, yes, I, I have a feeling uh, two of us disagree <laughs> about this. <laughs> oh, well, I'll just sit back and listen to the argument. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com I I like it. I don't like it. (laughs) 
um, I I understand James your your reasoning for for not liking it. I'm sure, but I have always liked the uh, and Joe. I don't know if you've ever seen this the the Alex Ross unused Spider-Man movie costume design uh, from the early two thousands. Um, that's black and red, basically. Um, I I remember seeing it in Wizard magazine in the early 2000s and think and you know back when Alex Ross was like the most exciting thing in comics and thinking it was great and this looks like that so I so here's like here's my also, question also crucially I don't like while I think that Spider-Man obviously is still always best in the proper classic Ditko outfit because you can't improve on that I don't like the homecoming outfit I think the I don't think this is better than a proper Spider-Man costume but I do think it's much better than the homecoming outfit What's uh, well? We can. I'll ask you the second question in a minute. What's wrong with the homecoming outfit? It's too busy. It's like the. Um, uh, I mean, it's not as bad as the first Amazing Spider-Man one, um, but I don't like all of the just the bits of extra black bits and and lines and stuff. I think okay, they're yeah. unnecessary. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm... this takes the you know makes those black lines a feature of a costume that is red and black, so they they work better on it. To be fair, I I think the homecoming Spider-Man outfit is probably like one of the least good versions of the Spider-Man yeah. outfit. Apart from the eyes, the eyes are brilliant. Yeah, oh, yeah, the eyes are great. But, yeah, but from the neck down, it's a bit of a mess. I mean, yeah. it's, it's just it's it's like what they did in in Amazing, which is they went, well, we've got to do something to earn our money here, so let's put some. <laughs> we've got to sell some action figures, so and let's change just, it. Yeah, um, I've it, never the had only a problem time with it, that anyone's but... ever needed to add anything to a Spider-Man costume to make it work in films is adding the 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 James Aitchison raised webbing on the um, Raimi outfit. Love that raised webbing, you guys. Um, but why the, the black? I I. I don't. I think I'm closer to James, and I don't have any. I don't have like any reason behind this. I just. So I'd already seen the set photos because I see that kind of stuff online. Um, uh, I will. I will say without us needing to discuss it on the podcast. By the way, if anyone wants a proper spoiler for um, Infinity War, there are some set photos out there that you can go and look at now. So just just Google those. We won't discuss them now unless it pops up actually in news uh but yeah i saw the black i saw the black costume in the set photos i don't i don't know it just it doesn't work for me and i i couldn't tell you why but also i I kind of feel like this the homecoming costume never really worked for me when i saw it outside of the context of the movies and when i saw it in the movies i thought oh yeah it kind of fits the style of what they're going for here but why would Spider-Man change? Is it is he mourning? Is that is, <laughs> would 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 it be that direct? Why otherwise? Why have a black suit? Joe, I'm I'm going to say something that might make you warm to it. Maybe it's a symbiote. Oh no, I've got no interest in symbiotes unless they're Tom Hardy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but maybe it's a symbiote linking Tom Hardy to this universe. No, um, again, as much as I love Tom Hardy, <laughs> stay stay over there doing your weird stuff and don't let it impact the MCU. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, uh, for I don't, me, I, yeah, for me, like the the Spider Man suit needs to be 
about as simple as possible. And when I when I look at this one and see like the the weird gloves with the like highlight fingers and it's just it's just like Peter Parker wouldn't waste his time on that shit. <laughs> He'd just put that. some put some gloves on. Um, that's another thing uh, that I like because it does. Sorry, I'm just uh, looking at it again. Uh, it does does it do are some of the fingers differently coloured from others on it? No, all the fingers are just red. Yeah, oh, right. Well, yeah, but the rest of the hands and arms are uh, black. Yeah, so it's it's got that slight hint of James. You know, you know what my favourite Spider-Man yeah, costume yeah, yeah. is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the the Ben Riley outfit with the uh, yeah. So I tell you, the the design it reminds me of most is Superior Spider-Man. Yeah, I think I think they're they're probably going for that as a, as an influence. Yeah, but I mean the thing is they've basically like they've just done it for licensing slash merch reasons, right? I don't mind Spider-Man having non-permanent different costumes for a bit. If, if if we assume that this isn't the costume that he will be wearing for the entirety of a film and it's his new official costume, then I'm fine with that. And it's a damn sight better than the one from the game, which is... Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, the one from the game this is place in pop terrible. culture, um, and, and uh, I believe is in Spider-Verse, and it's it's so bad <laughs> i like it i don't like i don't like it as um like a i wouldn't want spider-man to ever be running around in it like in anything else but in the game it's fine because it's the costume that you start out wearing or you wear like from very early on in the game and then the game part of the shtick of the game is hey which one of these 37 costumes do you want to wear <laughs> and you just switch between them constantly or at least i did <laughs> i like as soon as i think as soon as you've done the intro, you get the chance to switch away from the white spider costume, and I immediately did it, and I've never gone back. <laughs> I, wore, I wore the black one a lot. It was, it was I cool. wore, I mostly wore the uh, Scarlet Spider one, although I did just unlock Iron Spider, so I've been wearing that. See, yeah, look, you're cool. talking about the fact that part of the fun of Spider-Man is, while his proper costume is yeah. one of the greatest costume designs ever, part of the fun of Spider-Man is switching to different costumes. If he wears, yeah, this, this, if this, he wears costume... this for a mission in the film, that's great. I just don't want this to be yeah. the whole thing. The thing is, this costume isn't interesting enough to be an alternate costume. It's just, it's his normal one, but it's mostly black instead of blue. Right, let's wait until we see it, because again, we're probably... We're probably only a couple of months away from a trailer for that. That movie's released in July. Um, so, yeah, that's, uh, that's what, nine months away? So I'd probably expect a trailer within the next two or three months. Uh, because as much as Marvel might not want to pump one out there, Sony will. So we're going <laughs> to... We're going to see that suit um, in context soon. And um, I believe that movie is finished, principal photography now as well. So probably not far off. Um, let's jump over to DC. There's uh, quite a few little bits of DC news to talk about. Um, Wonder Woman 1984 was pushed back to June 2020. Um, I don't know if we need to read too much into that. Um, I would imagine that Warner are just looking at this is their most surefire movie and <laughs> they it, don't want to screw it up. <laughs> yeah, put, we'll put it into a release slot that maximizes its money making potential, I guess. And also, if you know, if they want to take a little bit longer to get it right, let them because the yeah. last thing you want to do is rush that out and like kill the kill the money factory. Again, though, what's that going to be? What four years in between Wonder Woman movies? It's a long time. It is a long time, but that's it's what Chris Nolan did with his 
Batman movies, isn't it? They 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 never got rushed along, and it feels like Black Panther's going to be something that's going to be what three years, well, at least no four years probably. Twenty oh yeah no it was three years, but yeah, it feels like that is that is Hollywood Hollywood and these big franchises are moving more towards that model of yeah let's maybe try and get it right rather than trying to rush it yeah, out. Yeah, well, I think maybe when you've got that much to lose, like if your if your opening origin movie smashes records and makes a billion, there's only down to go if you if you do anything other than give it every second it needs. Um yeah, so that's coming in June 2020. Uh let's talk now about uh, the Birds of Prey movie. So we talked quite a bit about the uh, the casting of the uh, heroes slash anti-heroes of that movie. Um, Ewan McGregor has been cast mm-hmm. as the villain in Birds of Prey, and he's going to be playing Black Mask. Now, Seb, this feels like an ideal opportunity for you <laughs> to tell us all about um, Black Mask. Are, are he and Mary Elizabeth Winstead still together, by the way? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so you... Probably, otherwise that's going to be an awkward uh, shoot, isn't it? Well, so for for any of our listeners that don't know, they started together in Fargo, and there he left his wife. <laughs> he left his wife after having a dalliance with Mary Elizabeth Winstead. So yeah. yeah, so yeah, maybe they are. Maybe that's how it's happened. Ewan McGregor's not really a person that I would have thought of for superhero-y for... kind of movies. I know. I mean, I I, I don't know. I I could think of plenty of of places it would be fun and interesting to put him i i, I like you mcgregor a lot i do um, i just i just never i don't know for some reason i never really i guess there were rumors uh around doctor strange at the time that he could have mm. been in the running there but um, yeah this is a weird one because i mean if if i was gonna pick uh a dc even just a dc villain for him to play uh this would not have been it um because Black Mask is so he's created in the eighties. He's relatively late as far as like um, you know enduring Batman villains go, um, and his stick is basically that. Obviously, you've got various villains who are kind of crime lord type figures like the Penguin, um, but Black Mask's stick is that he is a villain with a gimmick, but he is a straight up like mafia type mob boss. Um, so he kind of he he blends your your sort of your mafioso type character with um, your you know he has a shtick which is that he wears a black mask. Um, he's obsessed with masks because um, again he was sort of part of his background is that he's kind of like a mirror of Bruce Wayne in that he's from a rich family but his parents were horrible and like deceptive and so he became obsessed with like deceptiveness and people hiding behind masks. So originally like his mask design was just like a kind of a black face um like a kind of black blank face but at some point um it became like a skull mask type thing i don't know if it ever reached a point where actually like it got permanently stuck to him as these things sometimes do or if his face actually became like that or if it is still just a mask um but yeah he's just basically a a brutal crime lord guy like the main thing i think he's remembered for is he tortured and was at the at the time murdered but then it was retcon that he hadn't actually killed her but um stephanie brown who was spoiler and was then batgirl and was also actually the first female robin very briefly um 
And she also, Stephanie is a character who, given everyone else who's in this, you would kind of expect might turn up as a character somehow, which concerns right. me that she might be in it in only uh, only to get killed by Black Mask because that's something that happened in the comics. But, yeah. Okay, interesting. And what, and yeah, so what do you think of you, McGregor? What was I say? <laughs> he left his wife. <laughs> <laughs> and and now must do vil- villain roles purely as penance. Um, but he, I, well, as I say, he, he's just kind of... I, I don't see him as a kind of tough Italian mobster type, really. I mean, I think he's a relatively versatile actor, as, as Fargo showed. Um... <laughs> But accents not normally his accents forte. Not his, not his strong point. He could be a Scottish crime boss. It's just, yeah, I just, you know, I, I don't know if I'd maybe have him as like I'd play, I'd have him play like someone like the Scarecrow or something like that, or you know, yeah, um, or the Mad Hatter. He'd be good as the Mad Hatter. <laughs> um, but you know, they, we don't know what direction they're going with, what they're doing. Um, it's you know. Um, it's relatively big casting, though. It's the kind of you know, like I, I know yeah. you, your kind of your villain roles tend do tend to go to like middle aged actor with some degree of uh, of like I don't know critical respect from not doing these kind of movies, turning up and going, yeah, okay, which one am I doing? Mm-hmm. Uh, but but <laughs> this, but you and McGregor still feels like I I feel like kind of at the top end of that kind of stuff. Hmm. I mean, it is. It's because of Mary Elizabeth Wanstead, right? He wouldn't be doing this if not for her. Yeah, that's that seems like. <laughs> um, but there is as well. I mean, I I talked about uh, before about Steph Brown, uh, a, a Batgirl in this. I, I don't know if you'd picked up as well that it seems that there is going to be another Batgirl in it. Right. Okay. No. Um, I don't know how confirmed it is. Although, again, I'm looking at. There's a quote from. Um, uh, what's the director's name? Kathy Yan, saying that there is a character who is half Asian, um, which uh, I believe is uh, an implication that Cassandra Kane is in the film, and uh, people seem to be speculating that she is going to be in it. There's a there's a synopsis from IMDb, but it is IMDb, so you know, take it with a pinch <laughs> of salt. Could have been written by anyone. Uh, but it says that uh, after splitting up with the Joker, Harley Quinn and three other female superheroes, Black Canary, Huntress and Renee Montoya, come together to save the life of a little girl, brackets Cassandra Kane from an evil crime lord. Now that seems like something that someone has pieced together because, you know, uh, but Cassandra Kane uh, was Batgirl uh, after Barbara Gordon and before Stephanie Brown. Um, she's the largely mute daughter of uh, two assassins, uh, Lady Shiva and a guy called David Kane. Um, and yeah, she's kind of she's basically she's trained by like the League of Assassins. I think they're called the League of Assassins in the comics rather than the League of Shadows. Um, and but then is sort of rescued by Batman and sort of he, you know, the thing with Cassandra is you know constantly trying to. Uh, balance or you know kind of um what's the word kind of counteract her natural instincts to be a violent ninja assassin with her own desire to actually do good but she's you know incredibly socially maladjusted and has difficulty with that so <laughs> she uh, sounds more I, and more I like me all the time I she's, thought... she's, a, she's a lot of people's favorite Batgirl 
Um, I thought I had in my head that Cassandra Kane was going to be in this, but I don't know whether that's because maybe I'm it was getting... or maybe it was already said. Yeah, maybe I'm, ju- but I could be getting confused between Batgirls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, uh, let's move over to. Um, uh, we can zip through a lot of these. Um, but there are just this various little tidbits for casting on DC TV shows. Um, Seb, I don't know if this is one for you. Virginia Madsen has been cast in Swamp Thing as Maria Sunderland. Is that interesting? Are we interested in... I I, I mean, I like Virginia Madsen. Uh, it's a shame that her career has come to appearing in DC Universe TV shows, but... I have who, no idea who Maria Sunderland is. Apparently she's like the wife of a villain or something. And they I mean, haven't the thing cast with a villain yet. Thing is, like, I still don't believe it's going to get made. It doesn't feel like... They could be doing anything with uh, with Swamp Thing. Like, there, there's, there's so many, you know, there's so many different ways you can go from the Swamp Thing cartoon that had uh, Wild Thing with the Luke's change to Swamp Thing <laughs> or the Alan Moore uh, run. Uh, just looking up. Oh, okay. So Avery Sutherland, who this character is apparently the wife of, um, is involved somehow in the origin of Swamp Thing and Alec Holland. And looking at this art, this Draw, while it doesn't say that he's created by Alan Moore, this piece of art looks very much like John Totleben. So uh, I think he is from the, the Moore and Totleben run. Um, okay, so maybe we have found a jigsaw piece here. Maybe this show is going to be more Alan Moore than it is going to be anything else. I mean, not judging by this description, to be honest. No. <laughs> well, the, okay, so this is what I'm reading on, on Deadline, which is the story about her being cast. Um... Swamp Thing follows Abby Arcane as she investigates what seems to be a deadly swamp-born virus in a small town in Louisiana, but soon discovers that the swamp holds mystical and terrifying secrets. When unexplainable and chilling horrors emerge from the murky marsh, no one is safe. Madsen will play Maria Sutherland, who traded in her privileged upbringing for the swamps of Murray when she married local business magnate Avery Sutherland, not yet uh, Avery Sunderland, not yet cast. But Avery's lifetime obsession with the swamp has driven a wedge between him and Maria. Her poised existence is shaken further when the return of Abby Arcane reawakens a deep grief over the loss of Maria's daughter Shauna, drawing her into the dark supernatural mysteries emerging from the swamp. That sounded so boring. I almost wanted them to add Winter Soldier to it just to spice things up. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, it certainly doesn't sound like it's going to be Alan Moore's metaphysical meditation on the nature of self, which no. is kind of what what his comic version was. So. <laughs> and maybe it will maybe it will cross over with Titans. We never know. Um, I, I I think the last time I mentioned the TV show that I'm about to mention, I said we would never talk about it on the podcast again. In all likelihood. But this news was just so weird that I thought that I we've got to talk about it briefly. Pennyworth has cast its villains, and they are going to be played by Jason Fleming and Paloma Faith. Um, he's playing Lord Harwood, and she's playing Bet Sykes. Um, the show has also just cast a young... Or is casting a young... Um, I believe a young Bruce. I don't know. Maybe I'm getting confused there. Hey, anyway, um, but Jason Fleming and Paloma Faith. What's what's going on? I did. I mean, is, has Paloma Faith acted at all? I, I don't know. <laughs> Alternatively, okay. has she ever not acted? 
<laughs> I see what you've done there, James. Uh, oh, yeah. I've, well, in fact, I've just clicked onto her IMDb. She was in St. Trinian's and the Imaginarium of Dr. <laughs> oh. Parnassus. She's got like yeah. seven. She's got like 17 credits um, on IMDb. Um, and little, yeah, it looks like little little appearances here and there and things, but not known as an actress. And for any of our American listeners, I don't know how well known she is in the States, but she is a, she's a British pop star, basically, who is, I would say, famously quirky. Is that fair? Yes. Um, and then, and then, yeah, Jason Fleming, um, Azazel is, or, or, Hyde, I guess. Jason um, Fleming loves his comic book adaptations. He's yeah, he does. <laughs> yeah. Um, popped up in Kick-Ass as well. If, if I'd ever got round to doing an updated version of the comic book movie actors league table, where you score highly, you get points for roles, but also characters, and, and your number of roles is multiplied by your number of characters, so you score more if you've played different characters in things. He, he was pretty high up the table when I did it <laughs> about five years ago. And then too many films have happened for me ever to actually successfully yeah. do another one. Um, yeah, this is weird. I mean, I'm, I'm never going to watch this. And because it, it like, but it just it felt like strange casting as well, given mm. that the kind of the main casting felt at, at this at, without being too disrespectful, kind of anonymous, like not really like oh we've got you know we're really announcing our ambition with who we've cast in our lead roles, mm. and then and then yeah you get Jason Fleming and Paloma Faith. Um, I actually I kind of had a, I don't know if this is something that I don't think we have picked up on it on uh our various recent news catch ups, um, but as well as Pennyworth, uh, it has been announced that they have cast an Alfred in Joker. Uh, That's where I was getting confused. They cast yeah. a young Alfred and a young Bruce Wayne in Joker, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. They, they 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 cast Douglas Hodge. Uh, yes, as as Alfred. This means that technically, at present, there are simultaneously four ongoing Alfreds. Four <laughs> Alfreds, Jeremy. That's insane. Four. So in because fairness, one of, one of them will be... has not stopped being Alfred. They are still no. developing another Batman movie. So Jeremy Irons is still Alfred. Uh, um, who plays him in uh, Gotham? Sean Pertwee. We're, but that yeah, will be over yeah. shortly. Yeah, Final still, season this year. Right yeah. now, right now, because all these other ones are officially cast. So right now there are four Alfred Pennyworth. I love Alfred Pennyworth. <laughs> but do you know how many Alfred Pennyworths you ever need in the world at any given time? One. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like this is... With the greatest respect, the least essential of the Pennyworths <laughs> yes, that the we're one, getting. The one where he's got his name in the title yeah. is going to be the least interesting one. Yeah. Hey, I like I like Douglas Hodges, uh, Alfred. Though that's fun. That's <laughs> nice casting. That Joker movie. Maybe it's going to be good. Anyway, maybe. we don't need to talk about that right now. Um, and then finally, um, I didn't see that this was announced, so I was scrolling back through the news and and came across it. Um, a Secret Six series is in the works at CBS, um, mm. and it's going to be a sitcom uh, made by what? Bill Lawrence um, what? For, of of Scrubs fame. What? Sorry, I just I feel like I haven't said much because it's all been DC. But what? <laughs> I don't know anything about this, you guys. Hang on, Variety saying it's a drama. 
Oh, maybe I've just assumed it based on the involvement of Bill Lawrence. Yeah. Okay. No, let's, let's... And this is the Bill Lawrence one. It says that it's a drama. Okay. Uh... But having Bill Lawrence involved, I can only imagine it's going to be like a fairly breezy drama. He doesn't like... He doesn't have like that reputation. In fact, and it's coming from a Suits executive producer, so that mm. feels like probably a a good a good level at which they might be pitching it. Um, but yeah, but Bill Lawrence and a DC property is not something that ever seemed to fit together very easily in my mind. Mm. <laughs> so, what is what is the Secret Six and what's going okay. on here? I can okay. So you know how the Suicide Squad is a team of kind of villainous or morally ambiguous characters who are press ganged into doing missions um, by a secret arm of the government. Yes. The Secret Six are that, but not the government. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, it's exactly the same. Now, it's not unintentionally exactly the same. That You know, this Secret Six were created by Gail Simone... Um, out of the wake of Infinite Crisis. Um, and it was basically, she wanted to create something that was kind of the same, essentially the same premise as Suicide Squad. And, and then there's even been crossover of characters between the two. And they've actually, they have crossed over against each other. And also there are characters who've been in both. So it's not like this is a ripoff of the Suicide Squad. This is, for whatever reason, we can't do these characters as the Suicide Squad. So we're doing them as a different group called the Secret Six. Um, but it is fundamentally the same premise. But there is, it's a really good run and there are some really good characters in it. Um, it may surprise you that Catman... Um, had his reputation significantly rehabilitated by it because Catman is just basically a lame Batman ripoff who's a villain. Um, wow. But in Secret Six, he was awesome. And Bane was in it for a while. Most of Bane's actually good character development that he got in the 2000s came in the pages of Secret Six as well. Um, okay. So it, there's nothing wrong with it as a concept. There's nothing wrong with the characters. Deadshot's actually uh, been <laughs> a long-standing member of the scene. Deadshot is the main crossover between the two now that I come to think of it. Um, but yeah, you know, there's, there, there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with the idea of doing it as a TV show. My quibble would be that people who don't know how good the comic is are going to just look at it and go, well, you're just ripping off Suicide Squad. You're just ripping off your own thing with this. I mean, it strikes me as something that probably won't happen <laughs> for CBS. Yeah. For CBS as well, that just it, the the I don't see the fit there. Um, and yeah, and as much as I, 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 and I really do like Bill Lawrence. Bill Lawrence works on so his first show was Spin City. He then co-created Clone High with Lord Miller. Uh, Scrubs, obviously, is massive success. Cougar Town after that. Um, Ground Floor was a really underrated and underseen sitcom that's like two seasons long, and I would recommend anyone seek it out. And then Undateable was his most recent show. Um, and he's Did you watch all of Cougar Town show. out of interest? No, no, I was ne- I never really got into Cougar Town. Okay, but I heard it got I heard it got like better and better as it went on. It just could I, I ne- think... never really escaped the reputation of its title. I was going to say, I think we watched about four seasons of it. Mm. It was okay, but again, completely hobbled by its bad title. Yeah. Um, I've just realised something actually as well, thinking about The Secret Six. Um, Supergirl 
what you said this is for CBS, right? Yes. And Supergirl was originally on CBS, wasn't it, before it moved to the CW? Yes. Um so the Secret Six were put together by a mysterious figure called Mockingbird and you don't find out who they are for quite a while. Do you know who it turns out to be? Supergirl? Mm-hmm. Maxwell Lord. No, but oh. uh, not a million miles away. What were we just talking about? Le- Lena Le- Luthor? Ooh. Lex Luthor. Oh. Hey, maybe. But I don't think so. But maybe. that's. I mean, that's the... If this show ever does happen, I don't see it happening on CBS. I could see the CW maybe showing some interest or it falling back to the DC Universe platform. But yeah, can't can't see it happening at CBS. But I guess we'll see how far it gets in development. It probably doesn't bode particularly well for the show that the news broke and no one seemed to know about it. It reminds me a bit <laughs> of like, you know, the damage control TV series or And what was the what was the sitcom that they actually made a few episodes with uh Danny Pudi and um Vanessa Hudgens? Oh, the insurance one. Yeah, I never watched that either. Uh, <laughs> I watched the pilot. And even um, Secret Warriors is... Uh, New Warriors, sorry. New Warriors is apparently out there still without a home. These these kind of shows don't tend to do fantastically well in terms of making it to the screen or staying on the screen when they get there. No. Um, okay, so that's uh, that's all the news for this week, you guys. Um, okay, uh, so this is the point at which we would normally get to our final section, the pitch. Um, but it's a sad day, you guys. Uh, I think it, the, the writing has been on the wall for a while, but we have increasingly realised, especially when it came to this hip- episode, and we knew that we were behind on maybe three or four pitches, but couldn't remember what any of them were. <laughs> um, so, uh, there's not going to be any pitches on this mini-sode. Maybe we'll do them like as a special one-off uh, at the end of the year or something. Uh, but yeah, it feels like the pitch has... It's been cancelled. The pitch has been cancelled. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm glad to see we've all hit the same amount of respect for it uh, that I have always had. <laughs> um, I think we'll, if we'll... anyone wants to go back through every episode and tot up what the score currently sits at, I will send them a Cinematic Universe t-shirt. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I can only imagine that I'm probably winning, <laughs> given given how I tended to adjudicate. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll... We'll probably have a think about what might replace the pitch. Uh, but as, as well, given how infrequent the... Or not infrequent, but how irregularly the minisodes are coming around, which is kind of due to when news breaks and whether there's enough to talk about anyway in between the main episodes, um, it felt wrong to be kind of stacking them up and doing three on a show. Um, and I, I, I mean, goodness knows whether you listeners are actually staying tuned to the end to listen to them anyway. Um so we will have a think about what what might replace the pitch, um, and probably implement those changes um, as we get towards the new year. Uh, but R.I.P. the pitch. Hey, no one seems too upset about that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so that's it for this week's show. Uh, don't forget that the next episode um, of Cinematic Universe will be covering the Rocketeer, and we've got a special guest joining us for that. 
Um, and if you're enjoying the show, then please do subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, uh, Player FM, Overcast, or your podcast app of choice. And you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash cinematic universe. Um, you can get some t-shirts on redbubble.com. And, and uh, Seb, selling like hotcakes, aren't they? Uh, I mean, they're selling like warm cakes. Warm cakes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't mind a warm cake. Uh, you can find more <laughs> episodes of the show at cinematicuniverse.com. You can get in touch via Facebook, on Twitter, at cine underscore verse. Or send us an email to editorial at cinematicuniverse.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.